Let's turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and we'll read verses 15 uh, through the end of the chapter, through verse 25. John chapter 21, 15 through 25. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifies of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So this will be our last message in the Gospel of John. It's been a very enjoyable study for me, and I'm kind of sad sometimes when you get to the end of a book, but uh, this has been such a great study, and Um, I love the way this book ends because it gives a lot of us hope, and um, I think this is a very hopeful message this morning. The title of the message is Love, Sacrifice, and Obedience. Love, Sacrifice, and Obedience. And it's really a message about renewal and restoration. Um, So that's where we're going to start is with Peter. And our first point this morning is a renewed call to love and service. A renewed call to love and service. So we need to do a little bit of history here to kind of refresh our memories about where Peter is. If you remember, Peter Peter has failed a, a major test of faith. He let down the Lord Jesus Christ in a, in a major way. He had a major defeat in his spiritual life, would be another way of saying that. Now, 
Everyone in this room, to some extent or another, has gone through that. We've all, we've all had a slip of our faith. We've had a time when we fell into sin or we you know, questioned our faith or we got to a very low point, a backslidden state, uh, maybe, maybe even to the point that we questioned our faith or denied our faith. But we've all experienced that, some kind of spiritual failure to some extent or another in our life. And that's why I said I believe this is a message of hope uh, because Peter, he failed in a big public way. Uh, it wasn't anything private. Everybody knew about it. Uh, Peter had really, really failed. So maybe you can understand a little bit about where Peter is at this moment. He's likely doubting his call to the ministry. He's uh, doubting you know, what he's been doing for the last three years. He may have been doubting even his own worthiness to be considered a follower of Jesus anymore. But let's go back and, and look at the at three of the accounts, Mark and Matthew are so similar, we're going to just pick one of those. But let's go to Luke 22, and let's go back actually before that happened and look at what Jesus said about it before the fact and kind of what was going on at that time. That's going to help us as we look into Peter's restoration, this renewed call to love and service uh, that we're going to see here in John 21. So we'll remember that that Jesus actually predicted Peter's denials. In Luke 22, uh, verse 31 through 34, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So we see this situation, and we're going to look at a couple of different texts. Uh, one I want to point out in this is, you know, we've, we've looked at this before in our study just um, a few messages ago. But he says that Satan has desired to have you, but I've prayed for you that your faith's not going to completely fail, and when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, what was Peter's response to that at this time in Peter's walk? Did Peter say, oh, my goodness, you know, I've got some tough times coming, and, and, but, but the Lord's prayed for me, my faith's not going to fail? No, he said, Jesus, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. My faith will not fail. I'm going to go with you to jail. I'll go with you to the cross. I'll go with you to the death. You're wrong. I'm sorry, but I, that's not me. I, I've, got, I've got more strength than that. I've got more power than that. My faith is stronger than that, Jesus. He said, and he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And so then, of course, Jesus tells him the exact, the, the, the exactly what's going to happen, and that's exactly what comes true. Let's go back to John, uh, our Study in John, we went through this earlier in our study in John 13. Another account, John 13, verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? 
Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So here again we see kind of Peter's state of mind. And let's go to Mark. And this one's very telling for our text today. Mark 14, back in the Gospel of Mark. I saved this one for last on purpose. Mark 14, 27 through 31. Notice this is Jesus talking to all of the disciples. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. So we see a little bit of an addition there. And Let me get verse 31. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So you see Peter's state of mind. Jesus is telling him, and he's saying, Look, I don't care. Now, the reason it's important in Mark is I want to show you the relationship between Peter and the other disciples. In Mark, Jesus very plainly says, all of you are going to scatter. You're all going to run. That's what's going to happen. And Peter says, look, I don't care what the rest of them do. I'm telling you, my faith is different. It's a little bit better than these. Does that sound like familiar? A little bit? Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He says... I'm telling you, the rest of them may scatter. You might be right about them. But with me, not the case. I'm, I'm going to be with you even unto death. And he even spake more vehemently there in verse 31. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise, in any way. Likewise also. So when they heard Peter saying that, they all started saying the same thing. And that's another example. And I like to point out these examples when I can. We did this in the last message. What happened when Peter said, I go a fishing? What did the rest of the apostles do? They went fishing. What happens when Peter says, there's no way I'll deny thee. Jesus, you're wrong. What do the rest of them do? They start saying the same thing. Leadership's important. Be careful if you're in a position of leadership because people are watching. They're listening to what you say. And Peter's leading the apostles. And, and that's one of the reasons Jesus, and I believe it's why we have this record in John of Peter's restoration because it's so important uh, to the early church uh, for this to be included uh, in our scriptures. So if John ended his gospel with chapter 20, we wouldn't really know whether Peter had an official kind of recommissioning and renewal. So we're grateful for this passage of scripture in this restoration and renewal and recalling of Peter to the assignment of the ministry that God had given him through Jesus Christ at the very beginning of the ministry of our Lord when he called him from fishing to be a fisher of men. You remember that back in Matthew 4:19, Jesus met these fishermen, including Peter. He told them to drop their nets and leave it all behind. He would make them fishers of men. And you remember they did that. They dropped everything. They followed him. This is three years later. And where do we find Peter? He's, he's back fishing again. He's, he's kind of at a very low place. He's denied the Lord. Everything that Jesus said had come true. So he's in a very, very low place. And Peter's the leader. And he needs to be restored. Uh, and behind him, 
then will come the others. God has very significant and, and very, very big plans uh, for what's going to happen here and after this takes place. Uh, but there must be restoration and a, and a restoring before that can take place. So Peter has all the failures that, that we're so familiar with in our own lives. I, I love this list. Um, I borrowed this from, from somebody, but it says Peter has some of, these, some of the same things that we have. He overestimates himself. He underestimates temptation. He thinks he's more committed than he actually is. He thinks he loves the Lord more than he really does. He thinks he can face any trial triumphantly and then finds out that he can't. By the time we get to this point, even though he has seen the risen Christ, he really is a broken man. I think that is is very, very true. Peter was a very confident person, and a lot of leaders are. And that is one of the very easiest dangers in leadership is to become a little arrogant, to become a little proud. Uh, Pride is a dangerous thing, and I think Peter had that problem. He was very confident in his own abilities. Um, Who was the one that drew the sword when they came to arrest Jesus? Peter said, nope, not on my watch, and he cut somebody's ear off. Okay, he was, he was ready to fight. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But we have, to, we have to do it in the right way, and it has to be channeled in the right way, and we have to learn not to lean on our own ability. Um, God gifts men with leadership abilities for a reason, but in that we need to be careful that we don't become arrogant or prideful in that. So remember back in our passage, he said, when thou art converted strengthen the brethren so i think what we see this morning and we're fixing to dive into the text what we see this morning is we get a front row seat to the restoration of peter and the fulfillment of that text when thou art converted strengthen the brethren so i'll just draw this conclusion and then we'll dive into the text we get this front row seat to a restoration of peter to full fellowship with jesus christ when thou art converted and usefulness and service to him strengthen the brethren. So Peter's not just going to be restored in his fellowship to Jesus Christ. He's also going to be fellowship. He's also going to be restored in his usefulness in ministry. Jesus is going to say, "Feed my sheep, feed my lambs." He's going to say, "Not only are you restored between me and you, but I want you to go back to work. I want you to be restored to what I called you to." And so we get to see that in this text. It's just a fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen. So let's begin in our text in John 21, verse 15. Let's go back and and refresh our memories on this. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, this probably really got Peter's attention because, first of all, he calls him Simon, son of Jonas, son of Jonah. So what was, what was the, the Lord's name for him? Was it Simon? No, he said, you're Peter, you're Cephas. But here he says, Simon, son of Jonah, which I'm sure that immediately got his attention. Uh-oh. It'd be almost kind of like, have you ever been a, a, a young kid and your parents use your full name? That's not a good thing, right? If they use the whole name, something's wrong. You know, if they were just calling you to give you a a piece of candy or something, they wouldn't use your full name. But if they use your full name, all of a sudden we got trouble. Well, here he says, uh, he calls him by his given name. And it kind of probably got his attention. Now, 
Um, when he says that, and, and he gets his attention here, the next thing he says to him is, Peter, do you love me? Now, I want to point out, too, this is not a conversation between just Peter and the Lord. They're all here. They're all around the fire. This is happening in public, in front of other people. That's a little uncomfortable, right? Um, Peter is going to very quickly realize what's going on here. Do you like to be kind of called out about your failures in front of everybody else? Is that a, is that a fun process? <laughs> Nobody likes that. So what's the question with Peter right now? What's the, what's the problem? Why is Peter at this really low point? We said he had had a, a big failure of faith. Well, the big problem is, is that when he followed Jesus to, to the trial and he was recognized by some people, he completely denied that he even knew Jesus. Much less said, I love Jesus and I'm willing to go to, to the cross with him. He didn't say that. He just completely said, I don't even know the man. So there was a failure there. And so Jesus comes to him and directly in front of everybody else, he says, Simon, I want to know. Do you love me? So it's happening in front of, of the other disciples. That's obvious because he says, do you love me more than these? Now, there's some disagreement about what that means. I have already shown you why I believe. I believe he's talking about the other apostles there. Some people say he was talking about the boats and the nets and the, the fishing lines and all of that. I don't believe that that's the truth. I think he's saying, you said... You were on a different plane than these other guys. Are you? Really? Was the result any different? Did you end up in a different place than they did? Do you love me more than these? So I believe that's what he's saying. And it's very important to point out, and and I know Greek in sermons probably just, when people hear the preacher say, now the Greek word for this is you just turn it off, okay? And I understand that, and I try not to do that a whole lot. It's too important this time. Okay, so you're going to have to stick with me. But this is pretty easy, Greek, and it's something you're probably very familiar with. If I say the word agape, you've heard that word before. Well, this is a form of that word. This, this word, When he says, do you love me, it's the verb form of that word of divine love, sacrificial love. He says, Peter, do you love me in that way? That's the word that Jesus used, and that's going to be really important because they're going to switch back and forth between that and another word. But that's the word he uses here. So when he says, do you love me more than these, he's saying, do you love me with that sacrificial kind of love, that divine, perfect love? That's the question. Now, ask yourself that question this morning. Is that a piercing question? You better believe it is. It's saying, are you willing to give it all up? Are you willing to sacrifice it all? Is it the 100% the very top of your priority list in your life? That's what he's asking. That's what he's asking Peter. Peter, am I the most important thing? Do you love me in that way that is a perfect love? So that's why I also think uh, it's, it's kind of foolish to say it was about the, the fishing and, the, and all of that. This is, this is a little more than that. And he uses that deepest word for love when he asks this. And, and that's the, the critical question. So do you love me enough? to live and die for me do you love me enough to sacrifice all things for me and so peter says what does he say he says yea lord thou knowest that i love thee but once again here we go with the greek do you think he used agape nope he said yeah lord you know that i phileo you 
there's this brotherly love that we have. You know, you know that. You understand that, that that's where I'm at. <laughs> he, he, he knew better, right? He knew better than to say, how hypocritical would it have been for him to say, Lord, yes, of course, I would sacrifice my... Because he had just denied him three times. So Peter could not bring himself to say, Lord, yes, I, I love you with that kind of love, absolutely. But he, but he did know that he loved the Lord. So he, he does say, yes, you know I love you. But he used kind of a softer word. He kind of hedged his bet a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of, eh, I, I know I can't say that. That would be wrong to say that because I've proven by my actions that that's not true. Did you know that that's true of all of us? Have we proven by our actions in, in every way, in, in all of our life, from every moment of our life, that Jesus is number one to us and that we love him more than anything and that we'll sacrifice anything for him? No. The answer to that is no. Not one single one of us can say that. And so Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you, but he uses this softer word. Like we said, phileo is a kind of brotherly love, a warm affection, a friendship love. So because of Peter's denials, he knew better than, than even to try to go further than that. And, and even in that, notice how he said it. He didn't say, I know and I can prove to you that I love you this way. That's not what Peter said. He fell back on the omniscience of God, right? He said, Lord, you know how I love you. You, you know. You, you know more than I do because you told me the first time that I was wrong and, and I was wrong. And so this time, I'm just leaving it up to you. I'm saying, Lord, you know how I love you. You know that. And, and so he wouldn't even really put his foot down. Do you notice a little bit of a change in Peter um, in, this, in this dialogue between him and Jesus? Instead of saying, Jesus, you're wrong, I'm actually going to do it, do it this way, and this is how things are going to go, it's not that way at all. Basically, this time, he just says, I do love you. That's true, and you know that it's true, but I'm not, I'm not going to make any any bold proclamations or, or really step out on anything here. And then this is probably one of the most amazing things here. Jesus, after he says that, and Jesus knows the truth, he saith unto him, feed my sheep, or pasture my sheep, or tend my lambs. Sorry, um, I was getting ahead of myself there. Feed my lambs, pasture my lambs. Uh, Tend my lambs is what the, the word really means there. So he's calling Peter. He says, you're right. You're right about a lot of that, but I want you to serve me. I still have work for you to do, Peter. So if, if you say that you love me, this is what I intend for you to do. But I also want to point out there's a very particular pronoun in that that I think is extremely important, and especially for any of us who are in ministry. And it's the word, my. Feed my lambs. Who does the church belong to? It's Jesus Christ. Now that, if you're in ministry, that's actually a really scary thing. Really, in a lot of ways. The sheep belong to Jesus Christ. They're not yours. And so, you better be really careful how you tend and how you uh, conduct yourself in the house of God. And that goes for all of us, even those of us who are not in ministry. Uh, be careful before you cast stones at a fellow church member because you're casting stones at some, someone that belongs to Jesus Christ. They're his. And he says, I want you to feed my lambs. So he is 
reminding Peter about the call that he originally gave him. And he's saying, I want you to continue this ministry. You see, all of us who are in ministry, we're under shepherds to Christ who is the chief shepherd. It's his flock, and we just serve him. So if you're in ministry or in any way in in a position of authority, that even goes for fathers in the home. Remember that those in your home that are believers, they belong to the Lord, and we're to treat them as such. Um, Not only do they belong to Christ, but Christ is in them. So so many people need to understand that when we treat each other in in bad ways, um, that that is not honoring to the chief shepherd. That is not honoring to the owner of the sheep. So he says, Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. Now, I think the, the reason he uses lambs here, there's a lot of discussion about that. Why does he say lambs and then sheep and sheep? Um, not a huge difference in that. The lambs are just the more delicate, the ones that uh, take a little more care. Uh, did you know that that exists in the church? <laughs> there's some that are very weak and, and some that take a lot of care, and there's some that are very strong um, that that really kind of help the rest of the flock go the right way. And so I think Jesus is just saying all of them, the lambs, the sheep, all. So let's go to verse 16. We'll see if anything changes. Now, and I'm not going to wait to the end to, to point this out. How many times did Jesus ask him this question? Three times, right? How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. He's going to completely restore Peter. He's going to give him a chance for every time that he said, I don't know him. He's going to give him a chance to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Isn't that awesome? He's going to give him a chance for every single time. So he said to him a second time, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. So once again, and this one is very similar. We're not going to spend a lot of time on verse 16. Because once again, he uses the same word. Jesus uses the same word, agape. Do you have this kind of love for me? Once again, Peter says, you know that I love you, phileo. Same same words they both use again. And then he says, feed my sheep. In other words, no more fishing. It's time to go to work. You're to get back into the ministry that I called you to do. Stop chasing rabbits. Stop going the wrong direction. We are restored. I want you to go back to the ministry that I called you to do. And then verse 17, and this is where it changes up a little bit. Verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now, I'm going to stop right there. This time, Jesus does not use the word agape. This time, Jesus uses the word phileo. So he kind of takes it down a notch. And I've always thought, you know, until I've studied this really deeply uh, some years back, that the reason Peter was grieved is because he just said it three times in a row. That's not really it. I think Peter knew why he was saying it three times in a row. It's because he denied him three times. I think Peter knew that. So I don't think that's why Peter was grieved. Let me tell you why Peter was grieved. Jesus, in the first two times, he put the standard way up here. He said, Peter... Do you love me with this kind of sacrificial, divine love? And Peter had to say, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And he used a different word, the phileo. Well, now, the reason Peter's grieved is because the third time Jesus says, Do you even love me like this? 
Do you phileo love me? Is that true? Now, that grieved Peter at this point. He said, he's even questioning whether I have brotherly affection towards him. So he says, do you really phileo me? Um, he's questioning even that. And, and here's the truth. Did Peter's actions, just his actions, if you knew nothing else, if you just went by Peter's actions, and especially his actions of late, did it support the case? And of course, the answer is no. I mean, hopefully, if you have a brother that you love, you wouldn't deny them to other people and run the other way when they're in trouble. Hopefully, you would come along their side and try to help them and try to rescue them and try to be there for them. Um, but his actions don't even really support that. So what Jesus is doing here, he's probing even deeper into Peter. And I love the way John MacArthur says this. He says, this is actually corrective surgery that's taking place here. And if you've ever had corrective surgery, it's not fun. It can be really, really difficult. Sometimes you do more damage in the short term to make a better long-term reality in the end and an outcome. And I think that's really what's taking place here. He's, he's really digging in on Peter, and it's very uncomfortable. So Peter is really grieved now because he said the third time, do you phileo me? Do you even have this brotherly affection for me? And he says, let's get his response. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. So he draws it right back to service again and obedience. And he says, okay, if that's the case, feed my sheep. So three times Peter had the opportunity to tell the Lord that he loved him. And you might have thought uh, at this point that the Lord would just be done with Peter, right? I mean, Peter had denied him three times. He can't even say, Lord, yes, I have that kind of divine love for you. You, you know that. He couldn't even say it. He even says something, and Jesus even questions that. And he says, Lord, you just know. You know I don't. I, not the same bold Peter we've seen before, right? Peter didn't say, Lord, you know, and I'll prove it. I'll show you that I have that kind of love for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back in, and, I'm gonna, and that's not the Peter we see here. He is completely dependent upon Jesus Christ in his answers. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. It's not that I'm making the statement. I'm not being bold. I'm not going to step out front again and, and, and you know, have, have my nose chopped off. He said, I, I'm telling you, you know. You're the one that knows. And the amazing, the most amazing part of these few verses here in, in verses 15 through 17 is at the very end of each one when he says, feed my sheep over and over again. So he didn't discard Peter. He didn't say, Peter, you're done. You, you had this huge failure, and because of that, you're not worthy to serve me anymore. It's not what he said. He said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to go back to work. I want to restore this relationship between myself and you first. Did you notice that too? That's what happens first. Then he says, feed my sheep. That restoration has to take place first, and then usefulness returns in the kingdom of God. But like we said, we notice a big change in demeanor of Peter as he answered these questions. And I'm going to say Peter was probably never the same again after this conversation. 
And what it shows us is God can use the failures in our life and our walk to bring about the type of humility and dependence that he wants to see in us and to make us even more useful in the kingdom of God. Now, was Peter not useful before? That's not true at all. Think back to the whole gospel of everything that we've seen. I mean, some amazing things have happened. Peter has had some amazing moments. What about thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of God? What an amazing thing. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of God. What an amazing statement of faith. So it's not that Peter was completely unuseful before, but then he has this major failure, and he, he himself has, has, you know, just in a really low place. Now, I, I want to point this out while we're here. There, there is a place in Scripture that tells us that not only did Christ meet with the disciples many different times after his resurrection, did you know he met with just Peter? At, one, at some point, he met with just Peter. We know that from the Scriptures. Now, I don't know what was said there. I don't, I don't know what was said there. But I, I would love to know. Maybe one day we'll get to find out. Maybe Peter can tell us one day what the Lord said to him there. But evidently we know that this needed to take place. There needed to be a restoration and a renewal of fellowship between Peter and Jesus Christ so that he then could go about his ministry and be the leader again that, that he had called him to be. Like we said, Peter, Peter's very important. We see that in, these, in this very chapter two different times where Peter... You know, I, I go fishing. Okay, that's what we're going to do too. You know, we're going to do what you do. Whatever you do, Peter, that's what we're following you. So it was very important for him to be restored and renewed to fellowship in Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, out of our passage today, in verse 18 and 19, our second point is a future of sacrificial love. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Peter's denial was based on the fact that he knew if he said he knew Jesus, he was going to end up right in there beside Jesus on trial. And he was going to go to his death. And he knew that. And he was scared. And he denied him. And he said, I'm, I'm, mm, I don't know him. And he even cursed. He got to the point where he even cursed and said, I, I don't know the man. And he was saving his own skin. Well, here we have a future of sacrificial love. So in verse 18... Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Now, Basically, what he's saying to Peter here is, in the future, when you're an old, older man, you're going to be taken prisoner, you're going to be bound, you're going to be hauled off to a place that you don't want to go, and you're going to stretch out your hands. That's a, a signification. It's kind of a, a saying about being crucified. So he's telling Peter, you're, you're going to be bound. You're going to be a prisoner. You're going to be carried to a place that you don't want to go. This is going to be your end. He's telling Peter, and the reason we know that is because verse 19 tells us that. He, this, this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. That's an important phrase, by the way. He said that Peter's death would glorify God. Is Peter going to go out a chicken? Is, he, is his faith going to fail again? Not the second time. The second time, Peter's faith is going to be firm, and he's going to be 
a martyr, and he's going to be a testimony to others about faith in Jesus Christ. And he's, he's, his death is not going to be fun. It's not going to be the way that, that the flesh would want. But yet, his faith is not going to fail. So, you know, you might say, well, why in the world would Jesus Christ tell Peter that right now? Here he is down, low as he can get, you know. He's just low. And, and there's this restoration that takes place, and it's supposed to be all happy now, right? We are back in fellowship. This is great. We are, we're back together again. Now tell me what I'm going to do, and what is the first thing that Jesus tells him? This is how you're going to die, Peter, and it's not going to be good. You're going to be bound, and you're going to be taken to a place that you would not want to go. And you say, why in the world would Jesus tell him that? I think this was the best news Peter could have heard at this moment. Because what this is really telling Peter is your death is not going to be a death of a coward. Your death is going to be the death of somebody that's going to glorify God. You're going to glorify God in your death. The very failure that you had now, is going to, you've been restored and it's not going to happen again. You're going to be a testimony to others. That's the good news in Jesus telling him this. I'm sure it was still hard to hear, but I think for Peter, it gave him confidence that he could go forward and know that his faith would not fail. Does that mean Peter's going to go from this point and not have any bumps in the road? Of course not. Of course not. He has plenty of bumps in the road. He has plenty of times when he makes mistakes. Paul even had to put in the scriptures that I had to withstand Peter to the face. I had to come up and just get in his face and say, you're wrong, Peter, for doing this. So Peter's going to have many challenges, but ultimately his faith is not going to fail. And Jesus tells him that in this very moment. Uh, it's the, the ultimate sacrifice that he's going to give. He's going to give his life for Jesus Christ. And that is a, a life-changing moment for him. Now, at the very end of that text, our third point, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Now, what an amazing thing to say to somebody who's been following you for three years, right? Um, when was the first time he told Peter to follow him? Go back to Matthew chapter 4. They're fishing. You know, Jesus comes up, and he says, follow me, and they just drop everything, and they follow him. So here we are at the very end of the gospel. All these things have happened. The, the, just the, I mean, the amazing things that have happened in this gospel. The story of Jesus Christ himself, of his ministry, of his death, of his burial of his resurrection of his showing himself to the disciples and here we are at the very end of the gospel one is one of the last things that's recorded by john he looks at peter again and he says follow me start all over <laughs> let's wipe this lay clean let's go back to the beginning follow me now i do think it's in that sense but i, I want to be crystal clear here this is also a command that's that's a real command because remember what did I tell you about who's hearing all of this so far? Up until this point, all the disciples are hearing every bit of this conversation. Now he says, Peter, follow me. Get up, follow me. That actually literally happened. Peter did get up, and he did follow Jesus, and they evidently went on a walk down the beach. Remember, they're sitting on the beach eating breakfast with the disciples. He gets up and leaves, and the reason we know that is because John was following him. John does that a lot. <laughs> he, he follows he follows around quite a bit. I guess he wanted to not miss anything. So he gets up and he's following behind them. So 
I do think it was a call again to Peter to follow him, but it also was, you know, in, in real life, he, he meant for Peter to get up and follow him. I think he had more to tell him. That's not recorded, um, and, and, and probably did as they walked down the beach. So as they do that, he, he's following him. In verse 20, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So he just told Peter, I want you to follow me. Now where's Peter's mind at already? He's looking over his shoulder. Hey, John's back here. <laughs> What's going to happen to him? You know, if, if I have to die this horrible death, what's going to happen to John? I know you love John. I know you love him. What's going to happen to John? And what is Jesus' answer to him? Mind your own business, right? Mind your own business. Peter, stop. You worry about me and you. You follow me. And then others will follow as well. But you just follow me. How many times in ministry do we start worrying about what everybody else is doing, right? Man, their church is growing. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what we're doing wrong. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder why this person's doing this. Or I wonder. Jesus says, look, I've got that. You follow me. Follow me. Quit worrying about John. Quit worrying about the other apostles. You just follow me. So, you know, like I said, this doesn't mean that Peter's, you know, everything's great and everything's going to go. He's already being rebuked by Jesus. Five seconds after his restoration and renewal, he's already saying, what about John? And Jesus is having to say, quit worrying about John. <laughs> follow me. So that was the answer. And now this ought to give us all hope, too, that our church isn't that strange and other churches are not that strange because a rumor started. Right? Y'all ever heard of rumors starting in a church or, or just in, in Christendom in general? Yeah, rumors get started. So that's what happened. Then this saying went abroad among the brethren. The Prince of Addis grapevine is better. I'm telling you, it's faster, has more bits per second than fiber optics. It does. I'm not kidding. You try to make a phone call to somebody in Texas it's about something that happened here today, it's already there. I don't know how. But it gets there that fast. Rumors, man, they can get gone. But this saying went abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So John had to make sure and set the record straight. John's saying, look, he didn't say I wasn't going to die because <laughs> I'm going to die. I do think it's significant that John is the one that's not martyred. Isn't that interesting? Because of this question, that Peter asked that question of John, and John's the one of the apostles that doesn't die a martyr's death. He just dies an old man many, many years down the road. I think that's interesting, but he makes sure and clears that up. And it's interesting Jesus' answer to Peter in that. It's kind of hyperbolic and, and, and kind of a little bit sarcastic. He says, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? In other words, Peter... This isn't going to happen, but what if I just said, you know what, John's not going to die. He's just going to be around until the second coming. Then what is that to thee? That's none of your concern. You just follow me. So uh, a pretty tough answer there that he gives him. But what really what we're talking about is Peter following the Lord. 
And so, if you have, like we began this morning, if you've ever had that failure of faith in your life, if you've ever been backslidden, if you've ever questioned, then what's the answer to that? Go back to the basics. So the title of the message today was Love, Sacrifice, and Obedience. And that's what we see here. Jesus first asking, says, hey, do you love me? So let's go back to that. Do you love Jesus Christ? Can you really say that? Can you say, I love Jesus. I may, man, I may just continually have these, these problems and I'm not doing it perfectly, but I love Jesus and I want to do the right thing. I want to be, then there's going to be sacrifice, okay? That's, that's, the, that's the issue. To love Jesus Christ means there's going to be sacrifice in your life. You cannot continue to go on the same way that you always have. You cannot be the friend of the world. You cannot have all things that you want to have and truly love Jesus Christ. There's going to be sacrifice involved in that. That's the second thing that, that Jesus pointed out to Peter, this backslidden Christian. He said, first of all, do you love me? Secondly, Peter, there's going to be sacrifice. And third, there's got to be obedience. Follow me. If you love Jesus and you don't follow him, then you don't love Jesus. Okay, that's the issue. It's, there's not any other way to put that. Um, there's an easy believism that's being preached and an easy, easy believism gospel that's being preached today that says you can love Jesus and not really follow him. And even among our own people, there are doctrines that say that, well, you can be a child of God and not really be a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, I hate to tell you, that's not the Bible. What the Bible says is that if you love Jesus Christ, you will keep his commandments. Just go read the whole first epistle of John. Just read the whole book. Because he says it over and over and over again. If you say that you love Jesus, then you'll obey him. You'll do what he says. You'll follow his commandments. Now, will you do that perfectly? Of course not. But you'll strive to do it. And you'll continue to do that. And it will continually uh, bubble up in you as you continue to be conformed more and more to his image. But there is no such thing as someone who truly loves Jesus who does not obey him. That doesn't, that doesn't take place. So our love and sacrifice and obedience is important if we want to follow Jesus Christ. And like I said, I think this is a, um, it's really a, 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 I don't want this to be negative. I want to tell you what a, what a message of hope that this is, that Peter failed in such a major way. He denied Jesus and, and Jesus even looked at him when he did it. He, he denied him three times in a row on the same night uh, when he had been a follower of his for three years. What a major failure. And yet here we have Jesus himself coming to restore Peter and bring him back into useful service in the kingdom of God. So we have that same hope as well, that we can be useful servants in the kingdom of God even after major failures. But it takes restoration. It takes a renewed love for Jesus Christ. It takes sacrifice, and it takes obedience. Love and sacrifice go hand in hand. This is, this is true. So then, and I'll point this out and then we'll, we'll close. But when we don't follow Jesus Christ, when we don't do what Jesus says, when we choose other things, Peter chose life, a longer life, over love for Jesus in that moment. In that moment. He said, I don't want to die. So I'm going to deny that I even know him. Uh, in your case, it could be, Alcohol right now at this moment is more important to me than Jesus Christ. I'm going to choose alcohol, even though I know it's wrong and I know I'm going to be in trouble and, and I'm, I'm choosing that. 
So our love, our actions follow what we love. And, and every time that we choose other things other than what Jesus has told us to do, we're saying that we love that more than Jesus Christ. That's really what it comes down to. So if you really love Jesus Christ, you're going to do what he says. And, and we're all going to fail in that, but we have hope through this that Jesus Christ will come to us and he'll renew that love in us and he'll strengthen that love in us. And hopefully it grows more and more uh, as we become more and more mature Christians and we do that in a better way as we get older. But that's really the case of what we're saying when we don't do what Jesus says. We're, we're saying we love other things more than him. Now, in the very end of this text, just to close up, um, he's going to sign off here with a final note. John, the author of this gospel, is going to sign off, and we'll close with this. He says, This is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So Peter has been restored. John, who's being referred to here, he's going to kind of testify to the truth of his own gospel. Isn't that awesome? He says, I wrote it, and I'm telling you, I know it's the truth. (laughs) I I don't want there to be any doubt, because I'm the one telling you, that this is the truth. He kind of verifies his own gospel and and says that Jesus did so many things. You know, it's amazing that the gospels, um, they give four different accounts of, of the ministry of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. There's agreement between all four, and yet they all tell us some different things, and yet it's all truth, and yet it just scratches the surface. That's what John's saying. He said, man, we couldn't, we couldn't write down everything. If we did, the, the world wouldn't contain the books that would have been written about all the things that Jesus said and did. But we recorded what we recorded. And, and in that, you have truth. And John verifies that. He says, it is the truth. And everything that I've written is the truth. So I hope this study of the Gospel of John has been a blessing to you. I hope if you are uh, possibly in that backslidden state that you'll have hope today that Jesus came to Peter. Did Peter come to Jesus? He was out fishing, right? How did this story begin? Jesus, Peter's out fishing, and Jesus shows up on the shore. Isn't it awesome? Peter jumped in and swam to him. But, but Jesus came to Peter, and he restored that relationship between the two. And because of that, we have hope that we will also have that restoration. If we're truly one of his children, he will not let us go. He will not let our faith fail, just as he said Uh, back in our passages earlier in the gospel. So let those things uh, give you hope as you continue to strive uh, to work in the kingdom of God. Hope those things have been a blessing to you.